Business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's nine minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. And it's appropriate to say wishing all our listeners everything of the best for 2024. It's the beginning of a new year. I'm very happy to be broadcasting live from the Discovery Head Office in Santon, where I find myself at the moment. Really, really special to be back in South Africa, just enjoying the sunshine and the rain today, and just being back in this amazing country with all the potential and all the benefits that it has. And I thought, who better to speak to than someone who's always punting the positive, someone who's got a global view of things, Darby Ruert of the Efficient Group. Welcome back to Chai FM. Thank you very much. Are we all the best for the New Year's for you as well? Great. Thank you. Darby, take us through 2023. It was a tumultuous year, especially in South Africa. But let's just look at it in context at South Africa internationally. Where did we end up towards the end of the year? We know the markets were under strain. We know we've got an election coming up this year in South Africa. Just position it for us so that we can... Uh, get a, a wind down to 23, and then what to expect for 24. Okay. Okay, let's get, uh, perhaps you just have a bit of a look at what's been happening internationally. Uh, internationally, we've got some, we had uh, the, the war in Ukraine is still going on. We've got a new military conflict in conflict in the Middle East. That is something new by the end of the of, uh, 2023. Uh, those two, well, certainly the Middle East conflict can really, uh, become a much bigger and a much more significant conflict that can be quite damaging to the world economy and to the world financial markets as well. That is something new. What we've also seen internationally is that some economies are doing well, some economies are not doing that well. The Chinese economy, the second biggest or the biggest economy in the world, has been slowing down a bit, a bit, bit of a disappointment, but they're still doing not too badly, growing in a region of about 4 5%. But the economy that defied all but the gravity is uh, the U.S. economy. The U.S. economy just keeps on pumping ahead. What we've also seen is that central banks kept on increasing interest rates internationally because of inflationary pressures. And uh, they indicated by the end of last year, 2023, that they probably reached the end of this uh, tightening cycle as far as monetary policy is concerned. And that we're probably going to see some, some a little bit of a looser monetary policy stance from the major central banks internationally. So that's more or less what's been happening to the global economy. Global economic growth just shy of 3%, and we're probably going to see a global economic growth of slightly less than that for 2024. Locally, what we've seen, a uh, few things. The one is that the, the local, the, the uh, municipalities are just collapsing. More than 70% of the municipalities in South Africa are just not functioning properly. Uh, the state-owned enterprises are a disaster. And because of, like, for example, ESCOM, the South African economy just can't grow faster than what it is growing. We had, talking about economic growth, we probably had economic growth in the region about half a percent or so for 2023. And uh, what is also becoming a bigger and a bigger problem is the fiscal accounts of the Minister of Finance. State debt levels have become unsustainable. 
and the Minister of Finance is trying to get his colleagues to cut back on state spending, and they're simply not prepared to do that. And the reason for that is obvious because there's an election around the corner. So 2023 was not good. Weak economic growth, very high levels, continuous high levels of unemployment. And something that I'm very concerned about is what we are seeing in South Africa is uh, the uh, reappearance of absolute levels of poverty. Absolute levels of poverty is where people are going to bed hungry, literally hungry, and we see an increase in levels of absolute poverty. So that was 2023, not a good year. 2024, a couple of things uh, uh, from, let's have a look at perhaps at uh, the things directly related to the international economy. I think South Africa will also see uh, the upper turning point on inflation or inflation is likely to slow down a little bit. I think the South African Reserve Bank will be in a position to start cutting interest rates as well. So that I think uh, is likely to happen. Uh, but the big thing is that we've got an election and in March or April, uh, or of April or May, and that means that uh, that that in itself will lead to un uncertainty. And I think the private sector will sit on their hands to see what's going to happen after the election. We want clarity on the elections and who's going to be a new government and who's going to what the policies are going to be before the private sector will return uh, in in best. Even if the private sector come back and are interested in investing in the economy, then I'm afraid they're not going to do much because you just don't have enough electricity and you need to fix other things, the local authorities, and you need to fix the state-owned enterprises. And, and what I'm getting very concerned about is that because of the high levels of state debt, we will get into trouble. We are heading for a financial crisis in South Africa. I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. I just don't know. But what I know, it is, if you keep on increasing your debt levels the way that we have been and still are increasing our debt levels, the day is going to come when the private sector is going to tell you, listen, I'm not going to fund you anymore. And that will lead to some sort of financial crisis. And in fact, the Reserve Bank also says that. The Reserve Bank pointed out that the banks just keep on funding the state. And if the banks keep on funding the state, then the banks themselves will get into trouble. They're not there. Let me just make it very clear. The South African banks are very well managed and very well run. So what's going to happen in terms of economic growth? I don't think we're going to see 1%. Um, the, the, and the, the reasons I've mentioned, some of the reasons, we're probably going to see unemployment levels remaining at these very, very high levels. And uh, we're probably going to see a continuation of an increase in absolute poverty and things that, that goes with that. What is important, perhaps, is to talk a little bit about the elections. Uh, I think the most likely scenario for the elections is for the ANC, and let's Let's pick a wide margin. They will get some somewhere between 45 and 55%. Because if they get somewhere between 45 and 55%, nothing really is going to change. Because if they get 55, they will be government as usual. If they get 45, they will enter into a coalition with the smaller political parties, and it will still be an ANC-dominated government. So between 45 and 55, nothing much, except if the ANC loses big time, then there's a possibility that they could recall uh, the president, Ramaphosa, and then we will have another president. And I can give you a couple of potential candidates. Paul Mashitila is a possible candidate. And, a, and then a couple of other candidates for the deputy position will be people like, for example, Gwede Mantash. He's a potential candidate. Uh, Pekilem Balula is a potential candidate. And if the ANC gets less than 45% and they force into a coalition with the EFF, then Julius Malema, Malema himself could be a potential candidate for deputy president. So I'm afraid we will have another five years of ANC rule and everything that goes with that. Uh, so th that, I guess, in a more, of an, uh, more or less in a nutshell, I, uh, pretty much more of the same, pretty much what we saw in 2024, except I think we are at the beginning of a dramatic change in politics in South Africa 
but that will take another full five years before we get through the current phase in which we are. Javi, without getting into politics, um, because it's very easy to get sucked into that and play the blame game. If you just look at the facts as they present themselves now, we've got a failed government basically because things are not being managed the way they should. 70% of municipalities don't work efficiently. I had this morning, uh, I, I, this morning I had a chat with an organization that is being funded by United Nations to start taking over certain functions. And I almost couldn't believe what I'm hearing, that this is where we've got to. But without infrastructure, without power, without water uh, as a constant given, an economy cannot grow. Worse than that is that it doesn't attract foreign investment or foreign direct investment into the economy. So if we just look into the crystal ball for the next five years, am I right in saying that we've got many hard years ahead of us before we start to turn the corner? Yeah, that is basically it. Uh, maybe I can just, uh, I've been talking about the fiscal accounts, and maybe let me explain something what is going to happen on the fiscal accounts. Right. The fiscal, the fiscal account is what the Minister of Finance is responsible for. I did mention that the state debt levels just keeps on going up, and it, it, can't, it can't go on like this. And that means that the state must spend less money. And I can promise you, either you do this voluntary, or the markets are going to force you to spend less money. The problem is that if you spend less money, that means inevitably that you will have to spend less money on people. And if you spend less money on people, then people tend to get angry at you. So that's Correct. another aspect. That's another aspect that I'm concerned about. So we've got weak economic growth, um, uh, high levels of unemployment, uh, which means that on a per capita basis, we are getting poorer. We've got 30 million people that depend on the state for an income every month, and their income will fall, unless we get this economy to grow, but their income will fall over the next couple of years. And what I'm concerned about, and remember, this is election time. Politicians say all sorts of stupid things, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, they, make, they promise us the sun and the moon and the stars. Uh, they can't tell us that they're going to cut back on state spending, and people think, I'm, I'm concerned about civil unrest. Let's, let's call it a spade a spade. Uh, because of the huge dependency on the state and because the economy simply cannot cover or keep on carrying uh, this huge state, state expenditure. So, yes, I'm afraid weak economic growth, but on top of that, I'm concerned about the civil violence as well. But, David, there's another factor which you mentioned earlier, is that if people go to bed hungry, there's only so many days you can go to bed hungry before yeah. you push into a point of desperation. And good people become desperate and they do things that affect other people negatively, which means crime should spiral out of control, which will have a further impact on investment. And yet at the same time, I spent Sunday, for example, with um, investors from all over the world, Saudi Arabia, Brazil, looking at buying into our wildlife um, um, investments that we have on the border yeah. of the Kruger. And these are people with very deep pockets and the rand makes it very attractive. When you speak about an investment of 15 to 20 million rand, if you put it into dollars, that's really not a lot of money for someone of means. And yet they are getting a piece of our country that most South Africans would give a kidney for, so to speak. But yet when they drive in and the roads are all potholed, and if they had to hear this interview, the thought might be, what am I doing? And then the week before that, I happened to spend a week in Victoria Falls, and I was 
pleasantly surprised. The place is gorgeous. It almost reminds me of what we would call the Eastern Transvaal of, of days gone by. Neat, tidy, well run. Where if you go to Mpumalanga today and you go to cities like Sabi, White River, yeah. uh, the places are trashed. Um, so yeah. we've just got this tremendous, where's the silver lining in all this? Or, or isn't there one? Yeah. <laughs> no, there's certainly, there's always a silver lining. Uh, I know, I know exactly what, you, what you're talking about because I experienced a first world country over the holiday season as well. And coming back to South Africa is a bit of a come down to, to see the trash and all that. But there are, there are, there, I think there are two things. On top of the fact that we've got a government that is, uh, that is in many instances a corrupt government, we've got a government that is highly inefficient as well. Highly inefficient. And sometimes it's better to have a corrupt government than to have an inefficient government. Because at least if you have a corrupt government, you can get certain things done by paying money. But if you have an inefficient government, nothing happens. And that's what we have. We've got a combination of that in South Africa. We've got a government that simply can't do the work that they're supposed to be doing. And quite often, they want some money under the table if they, if they actually do what they're supposed to be doing. So that's a, that's a double problem that we have with the South African government. We also have a government uh, that's got a certain ideolo- ideological stance. This ideological stance is, they call one another comrade, and they talk about the developmental state. They got stuck somewhere in the 1920s in terms of the ideology. And you see policies as well. Uh, based on that specific ideology, and it's simply outdated. It's just not going to work. You, 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 you have to move with the times, and our government is just not moving with the times. They're incompetent, they've got the wrong ideology, and quite often they are corrupt. So it's not going to change uh, with the ANC government. We have to get rid of the ANC government. That is the problem. But there is a silver lining, uh, and there are a number of silver linings, in fact. We have a government that wants to centralize everything. And they do that. They look at the NHI, for example. That's another attempt of trying to centralize health services in South Africa. But what happens in practice, more and more things are getting decentralized. The private sector is taking over stuff. And that's the irony here, is that when the government is a, is a, a socialist government that wants to centralize stuff, actually what they're doing, they're privatizing more things in South Africa than what Ma- Margaret Thatcher ever could wish to do. One example one example is Eskom itself. I've calculated that Eskom for the past 10 years has already lost a third of its market. A third of Eskom's market has been lost by Eskom. And it has been lost because of two reasons. The one is people are working much more, much more efficiently with electricity because electricity become much, much more expensive. And secondly, they're generating their own electricity. So, so Eskom is being privatized the same way that the South African Airways, in a way, has been privatized. It's a backdoor kind of privatization. It's not a very efficient kind of privatization because there's a lot of friction involved in all of this. It will make much more sense to accept the inevitable and admit that you can't run these things and privatize them properly than to sort of be forced to privatize it in a backdoor kind of manner that what I'm saying. But at least that is a silver lining and that indeed is what is happening. And that's the good thing because the private sector is taking over stuff. And I know many business people that uh, that simply do what the state is supposed to be doing and they make a huge success out of this. They make a lot of money out of this by becoming the state in a, in a, in a way. Uh, but I'm afraid it's coming at, the, at the, uh, one, one price that we're going to pay because of this has to do with the local authorities. Remember, the local authorities buy electricity from Eskom and they sell it to businesses and they put a markup on that and they make a lot of money out of reselling electricity to the, to the, to the businesses. But what's happened 
And many municipalities just simply do not pay ESCOM. And in many cases, what is happening is that the private sector or the businesses, they go to ESCOM directly and they buy directly from ESCOM, bypassing the municipalities. And the municipalities, which are in trouble already uh, because of their own debt problems, the, their income comes under even more pressure. So the municipalities are, and they're collapsing because of this, because they simply do not have a revenue source or some of their revenue sources are, sim are simply falling away. So, yes, the silver lining is that the private sector is taking over. Uh, the downside to that, it is, it's, 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 it's not a painless uh, process. It's a quite a, a painful process, a, pain, a, a, a process with a lot of pain involved. But eventually, I, I can see where the private sector has taken over. Things are working so much better. Um, uh, unfortunately, we've got a government that simply do not admit the obvious, and we've got a government that will continue to try to undermine the private sector. But what's going to happen in the end? And the good thing, the good thing about having an incompetent government is that they can also not implement bad ideas. And that's why I say the NHI is not going to happen. Don't worry about the NHI. It's just not going to happen because they just can't run a bath of water. And uh, despite all legislation and everything that's happening and all the the noise that's going around the NHI is not going to happen because they just do not have the capacity to implement something like this. You know, um, Darby, it's so sad, and not that the NHI is not going to be implemented, but if you look at South Africa, if you look at the Popier Act, and if you look at our FICA Act, these acts are brilliant. If you look at our smoking yeah. legislation, things that have come in over the years. But um, we've got a few more minutes, and I just want to ask you, if we look at South Africa's political stance internationally, it sided with what I personally would call the world pariahs. The, the, you know, when it comes to Russia and China and and Iran, does that have a direct impact on the country, or is it almost more of a, you know, a a, a political noise that doesn't have a long term no. economic impact? Yeah, well, the countries. If you talk about countries like, for example, Russia and some other countries like Iran, Venezuela is another example. And I mean, other examples, those countries, the amount of business that we do with those countries are negligible. I mean, we hardly do any business with them. The countries that really matter to us are the Chinese, because we trade a lot with the Chinese. And when it comes to investments, and we also trade with the Americans and we trade with the Europeans. When it comes to investments, the biggest investors in South Africa are the Europeans and the Americans. They are the big investors. The Chinese are not that, that big in terms of investments in South Africa. So that, that, that's the economic reality. So if you go inside with Venezuela, for example, and you're being too friendly with Maduro, uh, then you are going to pay a political price for that because the guys that do not like the Venezuelans, like, for example, the Americans, they're going to ask some questions about some benefits that you have in terms of AGOA, for example. So mm -hmm. I think that is the, what uh, – now let's assume that South Africa – is trying to be play play on a moral high ground. Let's assume that for a moment. Uh, then I understand that, but then we have to understand that we're going to pay a very dear economic price for that. So, uh, and the economic price that we're going to pay for that is that we're going to angry. Um, some countries like the Europeans and the Americans are going to get angry at us. In fact, they are already getting angry at us. Last year, for example, they sold a hundred billion rands worth of equity on the JSE. The, and they are mostly investors from Europe and the Americans. Uh, and uh, that's, that means that our equity markets are relatively cheap. And we also run the risk that they may decide that we're not going to get these benefits anymore, like, for example, under AGOA. 
And if they kick us off of Goa, then uh, it will have a serious impact on the South African economy. I've, I just came back from abroad and I can tell you things are so, so expensive for South Africans. You mentioned that. And the reason why that is the case is because our currency is hugely undervalued. And our currency is hugely undervalued exactly because confidence in the South African government and in the South African future is just not there. So, yes, whatever your political motivation is or whatever reason you want to be uh, friendly with some of these countries, you have to understand that you're going to pay a, an economic price for this. And I quite often wonder if this a political relations that we have, well, I'm convinced that the political uh, relations that they have with certain countries is costing us very, very dearly in terms of the economic price that we pay for that. Davi, unfortunately, we're out of time, but it's always thank you so much for your time, which you give so generously. And I uh, look forward to catching up with you towards the end of the first quarter. And let's see where we stand. And hopefully we'll have better things to say. <laughs> yes, let's hope so. But then I think we will be much closer to the election. And I think this election is going to be... And another piece of good news and a silver lining is that I believe that we're in the process of a transition in South Africa. We're in the process of getting rid of the ANC. It's going to take us some time, but that certainly is good news. Fantastic. Darby Rudd of the Efficient Group, thank you so much. You. And everything of the best to you and your family for the year. Thank you. The same to you. Great. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It is 12.36, 24 minutes to one. Thank you so much for staying to, with us. It was a fascinating interview there with Darby Root. Darby usually has the ability to explain things that are seemingly complex in a very simple way. And it was just quite interesting to hear what he had to say over there. But to talk to us more specifically about South African-centric things, um, we now have Wayne McCurry on the line. Wayne has just joined us. So let's give technology a few minutes to pull him through. And then I am looking very forward to discussing certain specific um, aspects of 2024 with Wayne and his outlook for them, just to give us a perspective and a picture as to where we're going, because it affects us in every way, what we should do with our investments, whether we should be more cautious or more aggressive, whether we should just sit tight and say this is cyclical and things will come and things will pass. Or is it a time to take a very clear decision? So let's wait for a moment um, and let uh, Wayne McCurry pull through. I definitely clicked the right button. So waiting for him to, call, to pull through. But um, as just to follow on with what we were discussing before, is that we're definitely coming towards the end of the cycle. Wayne McCurry, welcome to High FM. Wayne, are you with us there? Yes, I'm with you. Great. Thank you for giving us, uh, giving me a glimpse of your workshop, something that I'm still envious of and something I'd like to see one day. But uh, everything of the best to you and your family for 2024. Yes, and the same to you, Avi. Thank you. Great. Wayne, 2023 was a, a tough year, um, you know, in many, many ways. But at what I'd like to focus on for the next 15 or so minutes is really looking forward to 2024 from an investment point of view. People get very nervous, very unsettled, and then they start talking. And before you know it, you've got a civil war in your hands where it never, ever happened. 
where do we stand with with investments looking forward? And yeah, we're talking about people's pensions, providence, retirement annuities, unit trusts. What's your outlook for this year going forward? Well, I actually got quite a positive outlook because I think the cycle has changed. So let's take a step back and talk about the cycle. When you come to look at interest rates and inflation and their tie up to economic growth, these things are by and large cyclical in nature. So in other words, you know, inflation goes up, interest rates go up, the economy slows down and then inflation will peak, interest rates will peak, then they'll fall and the economy will pick up. So I think that's where we are in this cycle now. Now, obviously, the equity market and the bond market, but let's just talk equity market now, follows that cycle as well. It normally anticipates the cycle. So when interest rates go start to go up, the equity market's probably already been weak. And conversely, when interest rates fall, and actually start to fall, the equity market normally has discounted that. But it's all the same cycle. Now, when I say the cycle's changed, we've had two years now of dramatically rising interest rates and inflation worldwide, and the commensurate slowdown in economic growth. I think that's peaked now. The next move in interest rates is down. Inflation is already falling worldwide. And that's good for equity. Falling interest rates are always good for equity and especially good for commodity countries like South Africa. Right. So when I look forward now to the new year, to be honest, I think South African markets going to outperform most other markets worldwide, even in dollar terms, because obviously if the commodity cycle picks up, that's extremely good for the RAND valuation. So I think we've got the worst behind us or we're at the peak of the worst in respect of the RAND valuation and commodity shares. And we can look forward to a very good, quite frankly, a very good uh, year, you know, whether it's this year or the first six months or the second six months, but certainly on a two-year outlook, I'm very, very positive about South Africa and the RAND and especially commodity shares. Well, so when let's separate the separate the two. Let's talk about commodities. Are we talking all commodity commodities across the board? Because for South Africa, things like gold, platinum, and copper are important. Um, or, or is there a specific commodity that we need to look at? No, they they tend to move together. You know, you can see the oil prices. You know, seventy five, seventy seven. That will also go up. Uh, but it's mainly it's it's all commodities. But obviously, South Africa, the important ones are iron ore, coal, platinum, and gold to a lesser extent. But you know, you can take you can take uh, the price movement of the platinum shares as indicative of a cycle. I mean, Anglo-American platinum was two thousand five hundred, not that long time, not that long ago. In the next stop was 650 or 630. It picked up two or three weeks ago, almost got to a thousand. Now it's back at 850. But it looks as though it's, you know, established a base and seen the bottom. Now, whether the share price goes to two and a half thousand or not, only time will tell. But the cycle seems to be turning there on the back of global commodity prices also turning. So I'm specifically, uh, bullish on the one to two year view 
on commodity shares. Great. Wayne, we need to take a quick break. Let's run to the shops quickly. And when we come back, let's talk about the rand. Craig, take us to the shops. This is RV on Business. Wayne, thank you so much for staying with us. Let's talk about the rand. Um, we were just talking before where the, the basic consensus was that the rand's very undervalued and it continuously is being held back by pure, poor economic gr- growth, a poor outlook and an inefficient government. What's your thoughts on that? Look, I mean, obviously all of those factors are relevant in the rand valuation. But by far the biggest factor that actually dominates the valuation of the rand is the commodity cycle. Uh-huh. Um, so the rand, well, let's take, I mean, it's a little bit of theory, but any currency's value over very long time periods should be the difference between your inflation rate and your major trading partners, or to put it even more simplistically, the difference between your interest rates and your major trading partners' interest rates. But let's just talk about inflation. So the difference between SA inflation and US inflation for for donkey's years um, up until 2000 was about uh, probably 10, 12% a year. And the RAND did weaken by that. Then in 2000, we got our inflation under control and our inflation was, say, on average, maybe 4% higher than U.S. inflation. And on average, the RAND over long time periods, 10, 15 years, depreciated by the 4, 5, or 6%. Interestingly enough, in the last three years, our inflation rate has been lower than the U.S. inflation rate. But within this longer-term valuation cycle, the commodity cycle has a huge influence. So we can go back to a couple of cycles that we've seen. 2008, the RAND got down to 650 against the dollar. When we got the global financial crisis and the economy slowed down, you know, the next stop was 14. Then we had the commodity cycle in 2015. You know, the RAND got up to about 17 against the dollar, then the commodity cycle strengthened and the rand went down to 1350. And now we're in this weakening cycle where the rand is, say, 1850 or 19. However, if the commodity cycle strengthens over the next two to three years, you know, the rand can go to 16 because it's done it every single time. Now, obviously, we as investors and also as humans look at the rand And when the RAND collapses, we tend to panic. You know, maybe an even better example was the end of the 90s. You know, the RAND for the next 10 years actually strengthened against the dollar because it was so undervalued. Now, I don't think it's going to do it for 10 years now, but that's irrespective. Uh, The RAND is very undervalued now on the back of a weak commodity cycle. So I often get asked, what, what's going to strengthen the RAND? The commodity cycle will strengthen the RAND, irrespective of Eskom and inefficient government and Transnet and all the particular problems that we know beset South Africa. If the commodity cycle turns positive, the RAND will ignore all of those factors uh-huh. and it will strengthen, strengthen quite materially. 
So that's really a very, very positive outlook, except for if you're exporting. Uh, when you're looking to export, especially commodities, wouldn't you prefer to have a weaker rand? You actually want the pricing because remember, they're all dollar priced assets. So right. if you're an exporter, when the rand's weak, obviously that does benefit you. But the problem is the price of the commodity that you're selling has fallen so much in dollar terms, you're not really all that well off. In other words, commodity prices will go up by more than what the rand strengthens. Okay, uh, I hear that, and then that, that's, that's really a positive outlook. Wayne, just before I, I let you go, um, there's a lot of questions coming through, and the basic question is, when it comes to our portfolios, do we sit tight or do we position ourselves with more aggressive type of portfolios, more equity type of portfolios, expecting um, positive growth going forward, or is it the time still to sit tight? That's the basic question that's coming through. No, no, obviously it's a very relevant question. Now is the time to take risk. The time to take risk is when the equity market has not performed so well, but you're on the cusp of interest rate cuts. I mean, when you look at the valuation of our market, it's extremely low. Our market is very, very and well valued. You know, as long as the commodity cycle turns, of course, you know, if inflation goes back up again and interest rates stay high or even go up further, then, then the commodity cycle is not going to do anything. Then our share market, no matter how cheap it is, could even go down. But on the back of the commodity cycle improving over the next two to three years, which it should, on the back of lower interest rates, our market is quite honestly, it's extremely cheap at these levels. And the cheapest part of the market is the commodity shares, excluding gold for the moment, because gold's not really right. a commodity driven by economic growth. But all your big mining houses and your platinum shares and uh, and Kumba iron ore etc are extremely well valued. Fantastic, Wayne. Unfortunately, we've come out we'll be out of time. But as always, thank you so much for just shedding clear light, straightforward information that people can really take and uh, digest. Wayne McCurry, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, Wayne's Thanks, a pleasure, pleasure, Wayne. Thanks, Great. Um, just to give an outlook as to how the show is going to be working for the next couple of weeks, really what I'd like to do going forward is to have a mix in the show every week of introducing a business topic like we've been doing for the last couple of years, but then also having a more financial planning focus towards the end of the show because that's really what it relates to. It's what's happening in the, business, in, the, in the country, what business is developing and growing, and then how that relates to you as an investor, and then answering questions from time to time that have accumulated as people have come in. But really, if you look at the two interviews that we've had with Darby Root of the Efficient Group, really giving us a global outlook that is somewhat pessimistic, a view of the South African government that is not all that positive at all. And then when you look at Wayne, who comes down to more nitty gritty on specifics, um, ultimately the commodity markets is going to turn and that's going to have a positive effect on the RAND. So you need to take everything into consideration. Ultimately, we need to hope that our fund managers, the big fund managers, and there I'm talking about people like Momentum and Discovery and Investec or 91, and Sunlum 
all have their ear to the ground, which is something I think we can take for granted that they do, and are planning your investments with that in mind. So we've really had a mute couple of months going backwards where not much has happened. But going forward, I think you can expect pretty much of more of the same with a view for the long term. So there is no reason to panic now. There's a just a understanding that for the next three, four, six months, one shouldn't expect to see amazing returns. But know that you're sort of positioning yourself for the growth when it comes. Um, and that's really the way I'd like to put things for, um, on the show going forward. Craig, as always, nice to see you again. And thank you for pushing the buttons. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will chat to you next week.